so this is the thing that they have been getting into lately. And they, so, you know, obviously they aren't like sitting there, you know, watching TV all day or got a screen in their hand or, you know, watching the screen. <clears throat> they have been getting into, so they found this one video though. This one video and they have been mesmerized by this video of this girl, little young girl who's like 12, 13 or 10, you know, close to their age. And she is a ventriloquist. Oh no. So I'm sitting here thinking, why are y'all watching this? (laughs) I don't know. It just looks interesting. But they both have made dummies. Yeah. And sock puppets. They're doing it. But Callie made this stick to move the head while she's talking. <laughs> so it's connected to the arm to move the head. I love it. So then she's like, well, I, found, I saw another video that showed me how to say certain words. And, you know, so you got to say be this way because you know you can't move your lips and all. I'm like, man, this is this is serious. They're going this, places. Right. So they, they made these sock puppet dummies or whatever. <laughs> And she's like, I'm going to do some work and I'm going to save up because I want to buy a dummy. (laughs) (laughs) You want to buy a dummy. Coronavirus is taking us all places we never thought we'd go. I mean, to to another level. Uh, Shayla asked me the other day, and I grew up in the 80s and the 90s. She says, I want to do a drive-by. Is that okay? Wait a minute. (laughs) A drive-by? Hold on. I was like, oh, you want to go and honk your horn and yeah. s- put signs out the window. But, you know, I, it, I think it, of boys in the hood. Exactly. I think of drive-bys. Drive-bys, yeah, that's not good. <laughs> yeah. This is Truth Talks. Welcome back, everyone, to the Truth Talks podcast. I'm your host, Buddy Boone. With me today is the pastor of bellcroft bible church's name is matt white how you doing today sir i am blessed brother just always rejoicing in the lord to be with you and call you brother absolutely yep and i'm happy to be here as well uh the topic today is a little different than normal and here's why because we find ourselves in a world that is actually showing what is in their heart instead of hiding it at this point and uh it's a lot of a lot of different um, situations, and we're not going to cover all of those situations, but um, I do want to um, ask him about a few things, and here's where we're going to go. So, I'm going to tell you all a story, and then Matt's going to answer. Well, great. Yeah. Yeah. So. What's what's different? Yeah, nothing different about that. So, so uh, the other day... Uh, I just started to think, basically, just kind of thinking through some things. And this is post, you know, seeing the the atrocities really of um, what happened with uh, George Floyd and then the looting and all those things. Mm-hmm. But then uh, it was um, and I'm building the story here, me kind of going down Facebook and seeing some you know, just very disturbing things on Facebook. People are saying stuff and basically they are uh, supporting the looters and giving reasons on why Mm -hmm. that should be happening. And of course it's Facebook, so I can turn that off. So I did, I deleted the app (laughs) and I still have a Facebook, but it's like, I'm just not going to pay attention, you know? So then along with that, you know, the month of 
May has been horrible work wise. Just not selling anything basically. Yeah. Um then, you know, some other like just situations from home that have just kind of just like weighed down on me. Mm-hmm. And for probably like, you know, like I was just sitting there just kind of thinking through things, trying to still work because, you know, I'm working from home. And it just felt like all of a sudden I just had like this, this like huge feeling of depression. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, wait, wait, where is this coming from? Now, I've, I've dealt with depression before in the past. And, you know, I'm not sitting here saying that I've been like the best at handling it. You sure. know, it's come out in anger. It's come out in all types of different forms. It pushes me towards sin. Mm-hmm. Um, but then today, you know, the other day I'm like, man, like, where does this come from? It's not, I wasn't thinking like, oh man, I'm depressed. What do I do now? It was like, wait, where is, where is this feeling coming from? It, it literally felt like a cloak or a coat just kind of just, just wrapped around me. And I'm like, no, I don't want this, but where is it coming from? And in the middle of all of that, it was just like, wait a minute, wait, 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 wait. I, I remember Matt talking about depression a few weeks ago on the podcast with me. So it's not like it was, you know, indirect. It was directly, yeah. to, you know, we were having this conversation and I just thought about it. And I was like, well, wait, depression is from sin. Depression is a, is a, is a sin. So I was thinking, oh, wait, all right. Depression could be kind of like a respectable sin. So let me go and find that book. I think my wife had it, but I was like, no, 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 no. Something else is going on here. So I start to think through a few scriptures. Mm-hmm. And I start to think like, okay, well, I'm, I'm, I'm discontent because if I have this depression, there must be something wrong where I'm not content with what I already have. And Mm -hmm. I'm, am I pouting right now? Like what is going on? Mm -hmm. So, um, I bring this up and I bring this up on the podcast because I'm 100% sure that there is somebody that would be listening or somebody that is listening that will want to send this to somebody mm-hmm. that um, would be, you know, kind of understanding or going through exactly what I'm explaining right now. Mm-hmm. And this was me. So I'm not saying that I'm like perfect at, you know, just kind of like dodging that, you know, um, that dodging depression. Um, but I want to kind of get just like, just kind of walk through the entire situation mm-hmm. and, not just to help me in this because I, I I would have no doubt that this would probably happen to me again. Yeah. And it wasn't a thing of like, I thought that I was just over depression. I was done with it. I know that all of those things, you know, sin would be the root cause of it and mm-hmm. it's going to come up because it's, it's in my heart. Mm-hmm. So I just want to kind of walk through like what we are to do in a situation like that yeah. so that we get an understanding of what's happening mm-hmm. and then how to handle it um, biblically mm-hmm. uh, when this comes back up again. Yeah. Well, I'm glad. I'm glad you brought it up. And it's a it's a very uh, pertinent mm-hmm. topic for sure, especially in light of everything we're going through, whether it's Corona or or the riots and all that and just life in general um let me say a few things start to start us out like depression is an interesting word okay mm-hmm. it's a it's a uh, it's a catch word on many levels especially today 
everybody uses it, everybody talks about it, but nobody defines it. Mm-hmm. Okay, and so what that basically means is it's a catch-all word. That's mm-hmm. what I mean by catch word. It, it's it's a word used to basically put everything that I want to put into it, right? And so if I'm having a, a you know uh, if I'm having a bad day. And I'm feeling, you know, the impact of that bad day, I'm depressed. Mm -hmm. If I'm feeling, you know, just melancholy or I'm depressed. If Mm -hmm. I'm having an argument with my with my spouse, I'm depressed. If I'm having difficulty with my children, I'm depressed. You Mm -hmm. know, that's the way we use the term today in Mm -hmm. society. Everything's depression. Um, And uh, that's not helpful because everything's not depression. Right. And so we've overused the term so that the term has basically no meaning anymore. And so um, I honestly struggle even to try to define the term today, how people use it. Mm-hmm. So when people will come to me as a pastor and just, you know, quite often and say, I'm dealing with depression. And I'll always ask them, well, explain what you mean. And it just goes all over the place. Mm-hmm. Right. And uh, <clears throat> so one of the things that I think needs to be said, first and foremost, is depression isn't necessarily sin. Right. Mm-hmm. It depends on what you're talking about. It could be. And it most often is. But not always, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, there, there are realities of, of even physical sickness that bring on, right? A feeling that is, I'm just, I just don't have the joy that I once had. I'm mm-hmm. struggling, you know, to stay positive, and you know, so some of those, uh, quote unquote, attributes of depression, mm-hmm. where I'm just struggling. I'm, I don't have, I don't have the energy that I once had. I don't have the joy that I once had. I don't have the uh, optimistic outlook that I once, you know, all those things that we tend to to understand and attribute to a a uh, a downward look of life. Mm-hmm. You know, those can come from myri- myriads of angles. One of the things that I've found in counseling that's sad but so true is how many uh, medicines people take have the side effect of all of what I've just described, hmm. right? And so oftentimes I've seen it in dealing with people because we, we unlike any society of any time, we are more medicated than ever. Hmm. Everybody's got pills. Everybody's on something. Mm-hmm. Everybody, and especially in this area and most metropolitan cities, you have a really high influx of of Xanax and Zoloft and all these mm-hmm. anti-depressant depressant, uh, pills and medicines, and it's unbelievable. You get out further out, you don't see that. But in the in and around the cities, it's very common. Mm-hmm. Our city is no different, and there are people beyond belief that have that. And and what's interesting about it, oftentimes the side effects of the antidepressants is, is depression. Hmm. It's very interesting to mm-hmm. me. It's just it's like, wait a minute. Well, then why are, why are you taking this right. if it's going to make you make more sleepy? It's going to make you more drug. It's going to make you more sad. Mm-hmm. It, but <clears throat> anyway, so my point is sometimes even even uh, high blood pressure medicine, there's a bunch of medicines. Mm-hmm. I'm not a doctor and I don't give medical um, um, direction, but I have to know at times medicines because when I'm counseling with somebody, I'll ask, what medicines are you on? Explain them to me. And then I have to at least have some sort of semblance of an understanding because sometimes the side effects are the very thing they're dealing with. Right. And then, it, then you know, you've got to go back to your doctor and talk to him. And But my point is, so I, I just want to be careful that, that I don't say all depression is sin because that's not true. Mm-hmm. It, 
it could be myriads of things that are coming into the life that are bringing about this reality. Mm-hmm. What I have found is it is often sin, but it's not, it, it's more it manifests sins. Or because it goes either this issue, meaning because I'm on a medicine or because I'm dealing with this issue that has brought me to this place, then it then it turns and it brings out other sins. But oftentimes I'm dealing, and this is what you are alluding to, I'm dealing with sin in my life and it is manifesting itself in depression, mm-hmm. right? And that, that is sin. That's just a fruit of some sort of sin, whether it's anger. Anger will often manifest itself in depression. Most people think anger comes out in rage. It doesn't. It comes out in rage for some people. Mm-hmm. It often comes out in depression in others where they are mad at their life. They're mad at their spouse. They're mad at their job. They're mad, whatever, whatever you're mad at, you're going to do, your response is going to be clam up or shout out, right? Mm-hmm. You're going to, you're just going to come out in anger and wrath and just blow your top. You're, that's what the word I was thinking of. You're going to clam up or blow up. Those are the two responses in anger. Well, oftentimes it's clam up, which is a, which is often viewed as depression. And then you get in there and you start dealing with it. It's like, yeah, well, I'm dealing with anger. Okay, now we're getting somewhere. So it's really anger is the issue. It's mm-hmm. not depression. So you don't need pills, right? You need to deal with your anger. Right. But that's what people do oftentimes. And so, and because uh, it's such a broad word, it's like yes. they kind of just go. Yes, they just go right to that. Mm-hmm. I'm depressed, and then they go see a doctor, and before you know it, they're on pills, and they never needed pills. They needed to deal with their sin, mm-hmm. right? And that's the sad reality of our culture. And so, again, I'm not saying all of it is. It needs to be dealt with. You need to investigate it. You need to look at it. But reality is this. Most of the time, it is driven by sin mm-hmm. in our lives. Not always, but most of the time. And um, whether it's um, oftentimes the triggers, what I call the trigger sins or the root sins, right, that bring this out, uh, anger, discontentment. So, so I'm angry because of something that happened to me or I'm discontent with where I'm at, like a, which tends to be driven by covetousness. So I want something that I'm not getting. Mm-hmm. So I want to, you know, I want to look better. I want to feel better. I want to have more. I want to be in a different place in life. I want to have a different car. You know, whatever it is, I want to have more kids. I want to have less kids. I want to have a different husband, whatever. There's all kinds of reasons, mm-hmm. right? And that's how it works. And because those things have not happened yet or because I haven't attained that or just because I realize those are wrong and I can't get it, then I get depressed, right? And so so the issue isn't isn't how I'm feeling, how I'm feeling is the fruit of how I'm thinking, right? And mm. so that's the issue is getting down to that trigger that roots in and try to figure out, okay, what's what's going on? And you start evaluating and looking and then you realize, oh yeah, so you're dealing with discontentment, you're dealing with covetousness, you're dealing with anger. Um, you're dealing with, this is another one, is unrepentant sin. Mm-hmm. Again, this isn't, old, I'm just giving you the broad perspective. Sometimes it's unrepentant sin. Um, this is really clear. You go to Psalm 32, mm-hmm. and David talks about, a, it gives a very clear, I think, uh, description of what a depressed person looks like. They're just, he's, he says, I filled my couch with tears. My bones ached within me. I'm, I couldn't get off the couch. I'm just, I'm inside. I'm dying. And what's he dealing with? He's dealing with unconfessed sin. But mm-hmm. then when I 
I confess my sin to you, Lord. You you forgave me, and mm-hmm. and so that reality is is you know the guilt of guilt of sin does, is not talked about enough, and it will be in our Wednesday night study. Right. But the guilt of sin is like a slow noose around the neck. It mm-hmm. bleeds you of all life, but it's a slow death. Mm-hmm. And oftentimes we run from guilt, or we try to cover guilt with drugs, sex, uh, alcohol. Um, some sort of uh, pornography, anything mm-hmm. to literally mask mm-hmm. the hurt, which tends sometimes is 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 guilt of sin. I've done this, and I and I and I try to run from it, but through all these other things. But when I do that, all I'm doing is piling on more and more sin, which only brings me lower and lower. One of the things I said on Wednesday night about sin, and this is where the depression often comes in is one of the things sin always does is it brings low. Mm-hmm. It brings every everyone and everything that's involved in sin, it always brings it lower. With God, everything is brought high, right? Mm-hmm. He brings man up. He exalts the humble, right? Mm-hmm. He exalts um, his church. He exalts the family, meaning he elevates it when it's doing all that it's supposed to do for him. And in that exaltation, it's not prideful, it's joyful, mm-hmm. right? It's peace, it's joy. But what does sin do? Sin, it, it's so crazy because in our sin, we want to be more exalted, right? That's, it's all pride. Mm-hmm. We want to go higher, and it actually brings us lower. Mm-hmm. It brings us down. It defeats us. It, 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 it weakens us physically, mentally, and ultimately defeats us emotionally, and that's, that's what it does. And so um, that's where that feeling or that sense of uh, what you are describing or what's often described as depression, melancholy, loss of appetite, loss of motivation, loss of those things. Again, not always because of sin, and there's a number of things that can be driving it, physical issues, medical issues, even uh, things out of your control, emotional mm-hmm. issues that can rightfully just, you know, Sometimes it's, it's life is hard, and just dealing with the reality of that mm-hmm. can bring on those feelings, right? And so that's not sin. That's just honestly looking at life, going, "Man, this is this is this is not good," mm-hmm. right? And that's that's okay, right? Mm-hmm. We're not we're not walking around high fiving and smiling all the time because we don't understand that life is is filled with sin and death and destruction, and it's wrong, mm-hmm. right? That that in and of itself brings out a reality. I mean, Jesus, what, he looked at Israel and wept. Mm-hmm. You know, was he depressed? No, he's looking at them saying, man, they don't know what's coming, and I do, and this saddens me, right? right? And uh, so, and uh, really good, a really um, a good understanding of that when you look at reality and it brings you low is um, Jeremiah, the weeping prophet. Right, he looks at Israel and he is weeping. I mean, mm-hmm. he weeps more than any prophet throughout the book of Jeremiah. You see it over and over again in Lamentations. The book Lamentation literally means weeping. Mm-hmm. That's what he's doing, and he's weeping at the fact that Israel is being destroyed. They're actually in the midst of being overrun when he's when he's writing Lamentations, overrun by uh, the Babylonians, and they've been surrounded. Jerusalem has, and they've been starved out. And they're beginning to eat one another. Mm. Mothers are starting to eat their young. They're fighting over babies to eat. I mean, that's how bad it had gotten. And Jeremiah the prophet had preached for 40 years this was coming. And all they needed to do was repent and follow God. And they would not have to go through this. And no one listened. They all rejected it. They all mocked him, made fun of him, abused him. And now he's sitting in the middle of Jerusalem 
while he writes Lamentations, watching all that degradation happen. And of course, he's down, man. He's weeping, mm-hmm. rightfully so, because right. this is his beloved city, right. his beloved people, and of course, his his beloved Lord. And so there's a sense in which that lament is right. And the Psalms, throughout the Psalms, you see Psalms of lament, where they're crying out to the Lord because they're broken over, you know, like, uh, I forget what Psalm it is, but... He talks about uh, what do the righteous do when the foundations are removed? I think it's Psalm 11. But he says, what are the righteous supposed to do? Mm-hmm. That's what we see right now, right? When we see just injustice permeating our nation, and it's mm-hmm. frustrating. Yeah. And it can be irritating, and, and rightfully so. That's an emotion. Lamenting and sorrow and mourning is not is not bad and not sinful. And even having days where you're just you're just before the Lord, and you're just crying out to the Lord. I mean, that's why Peter says, cast your cares upon the Lord. He cares for you. Mm-hmm. I mean, he doesn't say your your cares are sinful. Mm-hmm. So that's where that side, you have to evaluate it, and you got to have a right perspective about it so that so that you don't become jaded and think, well, every time I feel, I feel down today, I just don't feel myself that now I'm in sin. You should evaluate that. You should look at your heart. You should... You should uh, antagonize your heart mm-hmm. as you exegete your heart, right? Mm-hmm. Because oftentimes it will be, mm-hmm. but not always, right? It could just be recognizing that that I'm just dealing with a fallen world, and I'm a fallen person. So here's the other side of it. Again, we'll go to the specific sins as I've started to line them out in a minute, but the other side of the coin is you have to understand, too, that we're fallen creatures. Mm-hmm. So our, we're we're psychosomatic in in our in our makeup. What does that mean? It means we're spirit and and we're immaterial material as beings. Right. Right. We're we're not just spirit and we're not just material. We are spirit and we are spiritual beings as well as physical. Mm-hmm. And together we're meant to be together. The spirit and the body were meant to be together. And there are a whole theological system. Roman Catholicism, in large part, is built upon a false view of that, mm-hmm. though most people don't know that. That's why they elevate the spirit and downplay the body on many levels. And uh, but, but the Bible doesn't teach that. The Bible teaches even in salvation. There is, the, there is the spirits made perfect in Hebrews, but then there is the resurrection of the body. And so God is, is, is holistically redeeming us. He redeems us spiritually first in our justification, and he will redeem our bodies, literally. He will, this body of death will be done away with, and we get a new glorified body. And so when we eventually spend all eternity, we will be holistically redeemed. We'll have a new body and a, and a, and a new uh, spirit that has all been redeemed, regenerated, reborn, remade. Mm-hmm. And that's right. But in the meantime, we live with this carnal, fleshly, fallen, sinful body, which is totally susceptible to all kinds of fleshly, worldly, sinful emotions. Mm -hmm. Emotions are one of the most susceptible sides of our physical body that is uh, so difficult to deal with because um, at times it can seem like the last part of of our life to be redeemed because right. we are so easily pulled, mm-hmm. right? And uh, that's that's one of those areas that we have to deal with in killing sin and dealing sin and maturing. So how do you do that? I'm glad you asked. So what, you know, how do you wrestle <laughs> that, with that? That was my next question. <laughs> yeah. So is, um, first of all, you have to realize that feelings, and again, everything I've said notwithstanding, like, like that's there. So don't take this carte blanche so to speak but it you has to be said 
feelings are the lowest level of living. Mm-hmm. And yet, most of us live with feelings as the primary place of living. Mm-hmm. We, we do what we do based upon how we feel. Mm-hmm. That is the lowest level of living. What does that mean? That's what an infant does. That's how an infant lives. He lives based upon how he feels. Mm-hmm. So an infant will, will coo and ah and be the cutest thing because he feels good. Mm-hmm. But the minute his belly starts to turn, what does he do? He screams bloody murder. He's irritated. Mm-hmm. He, why? He's living by his feeling. Right. Well, sadly, when it comes to dealing with our emotions, I'm not denying them, but letting them control us. Mm-hmm. And that's the issue really often is, yes, we're going to have days where we struggle. Yes, we're going to have times when we just don't feel right. And sometimes, you know what? This is just part of fallen world. I'm a fallen creature. This is a difficult day, right? And just I got outside of the wrong side of the bed, meaning my kids have been fighting. My wife's mm-hmm. not feeling good. My job's not going right. It's mm-hmm. just difficult. Mm-hmm. And there's nothing, I mean, it's just reality, Yeah. right? Now, what am I going to do with that? Mm-hmm. Am I going to let, am I going to be part of that and become essentially a thermometer where now because of the temperature being set by everybody around me, I react mm-hmm. and I'm going down low because they're all low. Mm-hmm. Or am I going to be the thermostat that says, you know what? These things are all bad, meaning it's not, it's not going as it should. But I'm going to be the thermostat that says, you know what? God is still God. Christ is still on the throne. The gospel is far greater than anything I'm dealing with right now. He's called me to kill sin. He's called me to rejoice always. And again, I say rejoice. He's called me to be thankful in all circumstances. And for this is God's will in Christ Jesus, 1 Thessalonians 5. Like, am I going to let God's word be my ultimate level of living and be controlled by God's word? Or am I going to let these what are without question, whimsical, frivolous, uh, really at times out of nowhere emotions mm-hmm. control me. Yeah. No, no, that's where the mature man, the godly man says, I don't deny this feeling. Mm-hmm. I'm not like crazy and saying, well, that's not me. No, that's how I feel. But I, I'm saying, you know what? I'm not going to let that control me. I'm going to do what God's word says, despite how I feel. Mm-hmm. I'm going to rejoice. Why? Because I got a lot to rejoice about. Mm -hmm. So this is the answer to the question, how do you do that? How, when you're feeling down, do I then respond upward? Well, you do it through the mind. Mm -hmm. That's why 2 Corinthians 10, 4-6 is so important for living in a difficult life as a believer. 2 Corinthians 10 says what? That we take every thought captive to the obedience to Christ. Mm -hmm. Because here's why. The emotions, which tend to come up even in the Greek and the Hebrew, the words that speak of those kind of uh, those 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 terms often speak of insides, innards, stomach, kidneys. They're often speaking of your insides, and that's how emotions work, right? Mm-hmm. Your insides are like doing somersaults, and yeah. we even feel emotions in our gut, mm-hmm. right? And so, even the Hebrew and Greek terms speak of that. And so, how how I deal with them is ultimately, first and foremost, with the mind, mm-hmm. right? And so it's how I think helps me control how I respond. And so Romans 12, 1 and 2 would be another one, right? In the midst of, of whatever I'm dealing with in my emotions, I, 
I take those thoughts captive, as Second Corinthians ten says, by what? By by the by the recalibration of my mind, mm-hmm. because my emotions and my mind will start to work in tandem, and I don't want that. Meaning, the minute and you've seen this, uh, no doubt in your own life, as I have mine, but especially with teenagers, mm-hmm. this is huge with teenagers, mm-hmm. we, boys or girls, but especially with girls at times, where they can be an emotional roller coaster, mm-hmm. right? They can be up one de- minute, down the next, or I, I've seen it where I call it the spiral, where they're starting to feel whether it's because medically or whether it's because physically or whether it's because whatever. And then they start talking to themselves, right? Mm -hmm. Like a girl just starts saying, I'm the ugliest thing in the world Mm -hmm. because of she just feels like she's fat or whatever. Mm -hmm. And then before you know it, man, she's ready to commit suicide. Mm -hmm. And you're just like looking at her going, what in the world are you talking about? And because their mind... It's an internal conversation. Their mind now is in tandem with their emotions Mm -hmm. because they've allowed that lowest level of living, a feeling they've had, to now start to control their mind and they start talking to themselves, meaning they think the same thing Mm -hmm. that they're feeling versus the biblical. The biblical response is, no, no, no. You take control of that feeling with the mind by God's word. Mm -hmm. God's word says... If you're in Christ, you're beautiful because you're God's child. Mm-hmm. God's word says that it doesn't just, it doesn't matter how you feel. This is what God's word says about you that you have been blessed with every spiritual blessing in Christ. Let's remind ourselves what those things are. And so the mind takes over the mind that's filled with God's word, controlled by God's spirit. It takes over and then recalibrates mm-hmm. all those emotions, right? And uh, either throws them out, redefines them, recalibrates them, or at times just overtakes them. Mm-hmm. Where it's just like I'm not going down there. Doesn't mean I'm not, I'm gonna like be high fiving buddy when I see him. I'm still maybe struggling. I still may, but I'm not gonna I'm not gonna focus on the negative. Yeah, I'm gonna focus on the positive. There's a really excellent, probably one of the best illustrations of this in scripture, and there's a number, but it's in Lamentations three. So in Lamentations 3, like verses 1 to 17, uh, Jeremiah is at the point of the lowest of all low. He reaches, he reaches, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to turn there and read it to you. He reaches mm-hmm. the point where I, I believe he's about ready to have, a, have what we would consider a, um, a nervous breakdown, where yeah. he's like going to, he's going to Shepherd Pratt if this happens, mm-hmm. right? He's going to, for those of you who don't know, that's the mental one of the mental hospitals in our area. Like, well, well, like, we would say St. Elizabeth's. Yeah, St. Elizabeth's. Yeah, St. Yeah, yeah, Shepherd Pratt's in Baltimore. So mm-hmm. he would. He's about ready to go there. He's he's headed. He's headed off the deep end. If he if he continues, he's done. Mm-hmm. And um, you, I, I I mean, he starts out. <clears throat> uh, verse one: I am a man who has seen affliction under the rod of his wrath. He has driven. He has driven and brought me and into darkness without any light surely against me he turns his hand again and again the whole day long and so he's talking about god's judgment on israel and and now he talked about it in chapter two more in a national sense now he's turned because he's so down and he's seeing it as if god's going after him Mm -hmm. so he's seeing it really personal he's taking it all in upon himself he's feeling the weight of his people's sin and this is common i can speak clearly it's common for pastors we're dealing with other people's sin. It's like you almost bear it yourself. And so he's dealing with that. Mm-hmm. And he's looking as if God is actually 
judging him. Well, he's an Israelite, so there's truth to that, mm-hmm. but he's also he's a faithful prophet. So he's really coming in on himself in how he's thinking mm-hmm. and how he's responding. And then he, he continues. Now watch how, watch how the physical, right, the emotions, and now deal with the physical. He has made my flesh, my skin waste away. He, ha- <clears throat> he has broken my bones. He has besieged and enveloped me with bitterness and tribulation. He has made me dwell in darkness like, like the dead of long ago. He has walled me about so that I cannot escape. He has made my chains heavy. Though I call and cry for help, he shuts out my prayer. He has blocked my ways with blocks of stones. He has made my paths crooked. He is a bear lying in wait for me, a lion in hiding. He turned aside my steps and tore me to pieces. He has made me desolate. He has bent his bow and set me as the target of his arrow. He drove into my kidneys the arrows of his quiver. He has become the laughingstock of all the peoples, the object I have become the laughingstock of all the people, the object of their taunts all day long, meaning the people are mocking Jeremiah. Mm-hmm. He has filled me with bitterness. He has sated me with wormwood. He has made my teeth grind on gravel. He has made me cower in ashes. Here you go. This is, this is the turning point or the climax. My soul is bereft of peace. I have forgotten what happiness is. So I say my endurance has perished and so has my hope from the Lord. Remember my affliction and remember my wanderings, the wormwood and the goal. Meaning it's almost like he's crying out to the Lord one final plea, Lord help me. And he says, my soul continually remembers it and is bowed down within me. And when that term bowed down literally means I'm done. Mm -hmm. I am complete. This is it. I can't take any more. I'm finished. And so you can feel the emotions. You can feel the physical pain. You can see it. What changes? Like, why does he not not die? Why does he not jump off the cliff? Why does he not, you know, go to become a recluse and lock himself away? What what changes? I'm glad you asked. Yeah. This is is a, a, a scripture that I learned as a kid. Yeah. Verse verse 21. Here it is. What did I just say about the mind? Mm-hmm. But this I call to mind, and therefore I have hope. You know, you know the Hebrew word there. It literally means repent, meaning I I turn back. Mm-hmm. I turn my mind back. Mm-hmm. I I pull my mind back is what he's saying. Mm-hmm. I push my mind back in the right direction. Mm-hmm. I start thinking. Uh, on what I'm supposed to be focusing on, not on this over here. That's literally what he's saying here. Mm -hmm. This I call back to my mind. I pull up truth that I have forgotten. Mm -hmm. I pull it out and I fill my mind with these and I start dwelling on this, not on those things where I was looking at all that's happening to me and around me and and I'm just falling apart, which, listen, that is so common to man. Mm -hmm. We just, I just, I mean, I just preached on... Uh, Jesus walking on the water and the disciples being so overwhelmed by the storm and Peter, right, sinking in the water. Why? Because he took his eyes off of Christ and was overwhelmed by everything that was blowing around him Mm -hmm. that he literally became overrun with that. That's what, that's what, the prophet's doing. Right. And so, so. What does it say? Verse, uh, I'm actually looking at the NASB version. Yeah. What does uh, the tw- verse 21 say? But this I call to mind, and therefore I have hope. So in NASB, I, I like it. It says, this I recall to mind. Yeah. Yeah. And literally, I mean, again, he's he's pulling it back. Mm-hmm. He's yeah. pulling it back out. And so, so the question is, what does he... 
what does he call to what does he call to mind? Mm-hmm. Here it is, right? He calls to mind that which we should always be calling to mind, the character of God, right? Because again, our circumstances tend to be what drive our emotions, mm-hmm. and uh, our circumstances are fickle and ever changing. Mm-hmm. But the character of God is faithful and never changing. Mm-hmm. And so, if you have, if you have a steadfast focus, then you will have a steadfast emotion, right? right? If that's your focus. So look at what he focuses on. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. The Lord is my portion, says my soul. Therefore, I will hope in him. The Lord is good to those who wait for him, to the soul who seeks him. A minute ago, he said his soul was bereft, and now he's like, to the soul that seeks him. It is good, I like this, that one should wait quietly for the salvation of the Lord. It is good for a man that he bear the yoke in his youth. He's saying it's good to be afflicted and learn mm-hmm. to have to trust the Lord and go through this. That's literally, he's starting to now preach. Yeah. He's starting to teach, and he, and he, uh, <clears throat> he keeps going. Um, let him sit alone in silence when it is laid on him. Let him put his mouth in the dust. There may yet be hope. Let him give his cheek to the one who strikes, and let him be filled with insults. Watch this, verse 31. This is so wise. For the Lord will not cast off forever, but though he cause grief, he will have compassion according to the abundance of his steadfast love. For he does not afflict from his heart or grieve the children of man. And he keeps going. Mm -hmm. Look at how much he's changed. Now he's speaking with clarity, with hope, Mm -hmm. and with certainty rather than emotions and and feelings and well, why? Because he's speaking the truth. Mm-hmm. And so, listen, no pun intended based upon our our name, the truth talks. Mm-hmm. But the problem is with us oftentimes when we're dealing with our emotions is we let our emotions talk mm-hmm. when the truth needs to be talking. Mm-hmm. We need to let our the truth of God's word be talking and let our emotions follow that, not the other way around. And that's mm-hmm. what Jeremiah is teaching us. And so, yeah, it's so important, mm-hmm. so vital, especially in a day like today where everything is changing so rapidly and everything is utterly disappointing. Like, like what satisfies? Nothing. I don't care what president you have. I don't care what governor you have. I don't care what executive you have. I don't care what job you have. I don't care what car you have. I mean, there's just like, like everything that the world pl- literally puts its pleasure in thinking, I'm going to find satisfaction in this. It doesn't. So therefore, the world is utterly disappointing. But Christ and the Lord, God, man, that's the only place. And so we got to stay focused there because even our lives as Christians, as we live in this wicked world, it's going to be filled with disappointments. Hmm. That's why Jesus himself, and the word he used was anguish, trouble. What does he say in John 17 multiple times? In this world, you will have trouble, mm-hmm. difficulty, disappointment, anguish. And then he says, be of good cheer. Take heart. Mm-hmm. Take heart. Be, be, be of good cheer. Be encouraged. Be encouraged. Why? Because I have overcome the world because of mm-hmm. me, because I'm with you and because of where I've been. And now you can go through it. And yeah, I mean, again, it's focusing, focusing on the Lord and, and, uh, so, yeah, so God's um, character is always the the way you begin to steer emotions, focusing on God's character, focusing on the gospel, focusing on the um, the blessings of of uh, 
the Word of God and what God has brought. I've often said there are three things about God's character that helps contain emotions. Mm-hmm. It is it is growing in and remembering the power of God. Oftentimes, dealing with pain, suffering, emotional struggles, we tend to feel like we're in a situation that we can't get out of. Mm-hmm. And so what is something I always need to remember? The omnipotence of God. That whatever situation I am, that could likely and very sometimes is really daunting, right? Where it's cancer, whether it's a child is really sick and maybe they're going to die, whatever. That's no joke. Yet, even in that situation where I'm given a death sentence or I'm given limited hope, God is all powerful. Mm -hmm. He could do whatever he wants to do at any moment, right? And Mm -hmm. so I remember that. But then I also need to remember the wisdom of God because the power of God without the wisdom of God is okay. But when I throw the power of God with the wisdom of God, that he's not only all powerful, but he knows what's best. Mm -hmm. And he has all the wisdom to work every every situation out according to his perfect will. Then, Then that gives hope because oftentimes emotionally we're struggling not because maybe a situation is bigger than uh than i can handle but sometimes it's because i don't know what to do yeah like if i just knew what to do then i could do it it's not Mm -hmm. it's not like a i need divine miraculous help i just need what wisdom Mm -hmm. because i'm confused i don't know what's coming around the next corner this coronavirus has been just replete with that that we've had to deal with as individuals where we're just confused Mm -hmm. we don't we don't know you know we don't know what to do and so what do we look to we look to the wisdom of god Mm -hmm. only he knows the future only he knows the end from the beginning and so he needs to guide us and help us and so the the power of god the wisdom of god and then this is this is this is by by far one of the biggest is the love of god because mm-hmm. oftentimes when I'm dealing with emotions, I'm dealing with struggles, I not only uh, in situations where I, I know I'm not strong enough to get out of this, I also know that I'm not wise enough to get out of this. But then the big one, the big one, which tends to really drive our emotions, is for for many different reasons, I feel like I'm all alone. Mm-hmm. I feel like either I'm abandoned, I've been left, or there's nobody else like me. Mm-hmm. There's nobody else dealing with this. There's nobody else who understands. Yeah. Like, and those just overtake. And what totally uh, blows that out of the water? What squelches all of that nonsense? The love of God. Mm-hmm. Romans 8, right? His, his eminence. His eminent, his nearness, mm-hmm. which his nearness is brought most brought out most clearly in his never-ending love. Mm-hmm. Romans 8, right? Nothing can separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus. And I love that in Romans 8. I want you to when you read that, I want you to I want you to see this in Romans 8, which is a glorious passage. Um and it's it's really is um well, I'm going to read it first, and I'll explain it. It's uh, it's it's so good. So when he when after he makes the declaration about the love of God, then he gives the specifics, right? And uh, uh, he says, "Christ is interceding for us, which is awesome. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ?" Verse thirty-five: Shall tribulation? Shall distress? Shall persecution? Shall famine? Shall nakedness? Shall, shall danger? Shall sword? Like think about the emotions of every one of those. Right. Think about the how difficult that brings the 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 cloud of darkness that comes over your life when you're in heavy tribulation, heavy distress, heavy persecution, famine, uh, nakedness, danger. Now, uh, look look at verse uh, thirty eight. 
Uh, uh, neither death nor life nor angels nor rulers nor things present nor things to come nor height nor depth nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus. How could Paul say this with such confidence? I mean, he's inspired by the Holy Spirit, right? No, he's, yeah. he's been through all exactly. that stuff. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Every one of those things, right? Every mm-hmm. one of those things he says, look, right? Uh, tribulation? How many times does Paul talk about tribulation, mm-hmm. right? Distress? Are you kidding me? Yeah. Stoned and left for dead? That's the nakedness, right. right? Famine? Yep, he's been through famine. Persecution, right? Let down on the side of walls in baskets because people are out to kill him. Danger? Sword? Are you, I mean, like he lived through every one of those and mm-hmm. the emotions and the stress and the distress of all of that. And yet what held him through was the fact that he was not alone. Yeah. So, yeah, so. Yeah, I think that that's, that's a good point because I, I, I literally dealt with that for years. Yep. And a lot of that had to do with me being a step parent. You know, I just really, really felt that I was completely alone with everything. So that's where that anger came from. Yep. That's it just manifested in that, mm-hmm. um, that, you know, my feelings of not just not feeling up to the task and, you know, failing at it many, many times. Mm-hmm. Um, that is one of the biggest things that I dealt with just feeling alone. Mm-hmm. And I remember um, we went to a conference, um, Step Parenting, and there was this old guy, him and his wife uh, up on the stage talking. And uh, I can't even remember their names. I can, I can, you know, remember their faces, but he was literally, he was just talking and it wasn't anything that was like abnormal. Like I'm always a person that sits on the front row. So it's not like I was, you know, like in his face and he could see me and he was talking directly to me. It wasn't like that. It was just the mere fact that at that point, God opened my eyes to see that I was not alone. Yeah. Like, I literally felt like I was the only stepdad in the entire world yeah. and nobody else, nobody yeah. ever in the, in the history of, 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 of people ever felt the same way or ever was in the same situation as me. Yeah. You know, like, and, and that's how I felt. So, yep. you know, and especially you know, today when you were talking about uh, yeah. the, the, the imminence of Christ and it's yeah. like, I, I wrote down imminence and I wrote down Emmanuel. I was like, I, why didn't I know that that's what he was talking about? It's like eminence Emmanuel that literally spelt the same way. You know, it's like that makes total God. sense. God with us. Yeah. And, and what did Israel always deal with? That God was not with us, right? Yeah. They've been separated. They've been isolated. They've been, they've, and now their God's coming to be with, that was God's plan all along. I want to dwell in their midst. I want to, but they kept sinning and they, yeah. So, you know, when you were talking about, uh, about that alone and that feeling every time, every time you see this in scripture, right? Mm-hmm. So first of all, so isolation in scripture is never, is never a good thing, mm-hmm. right? You see it multiple times in scripture, isolation, separation, being put out alone, mm-hmm. right? Being put out alone is a form of judgment in the Bible, right? Mm-hmm. So in like, take the, the law, take the book of Leviticus, right? Every time there's a sin in the camp, what, what's supposed to happen? Put them out. Put them out. Either mm-hmm. kill them, right? And that's part of what it means sometimes where they're to be put out outside the camp, stoned or whatever. Or sometimes even when it's not uh, it's not a moral but or an ethical, but it's a physical issue mm-hmm. like uh, mold, leprosy, leprosy mold, mm-hmm. whatever. They still have to go outside the camp, right? Mm-hmm. Because it's an illustration of sin. And then, of course, just in that day and age, even physically, 
likely it was protecting, but they were to be separated. Mm -hmm. They were to be separated and pulled out. Oh, this word has come up a lot. Quarantine. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, but you see it, right? It's not a good thing. Right. Right. And anytime. So Miriam, right. She revolts against her brother, Moses. What does God do? Brings leprosy. She puts her out. So she's put outside the camp. Mm -hmm. And then of course this correlates all over the place, but you go to church discipline. What, What's supposed to happen? They're supposed to be put out of the church, mm-hmm. right? Isolated so that that reality brings them back. So they f- bring the weight of the judgment of being alone. Mm-hmm. So um, so the correlation is clear that being alone is not a good thing. And that feeling of isolation is not a good thing. Sin always, 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 always wants to work destruction. And its plan is always to separate, mm-hmm. isolate. That's always how sin works. It, it pulls you away. It just the, it's taking the ember out of the fire. Dragged away and enticed. Yes. Mm-hmm. That's, we, just, we just looked at some of the words mm-hmm. in Hebrew, right? And that's part of being estranged, going away, mm-hmm. going wandering, right? Mm-hmm. We, like sheep, have wandered away. Mm-hmm. And what does Satan do? He, he, he doesn't pick the guys off in the middle of the flock. He picks them off the guys who are wandering away. Yeah, I see and, that in uh, like uh, a leopard or jaguar, yes, whatever. Yes. In Africa, they don't go for for like the people right in the middle, nope. the, not the people, but the animal Animals, right yep. in the middle. They're the ones that are away and yep. far off. They wandered the away. That's the danger, right? Mm-hmm. So, so that that reality, and that's what sin does, and that's what that's you know where our sinful flesh wants to take us. Mm-hmm. It wants to separate. How many times? How many times? Every time. But if we're honest, when we are sin, what do we do? We clam up. And we close out, mm-hmm. right? We clam up, we stop talking, and we close off everybody, mm-hmm. right? I can tell as a pastor, I can see it coming sometimes months before people ever leave the church. Mm-hmm. I can see it coming just like like a neon sign. Mm-hmm. I'm like, yep, that person, they're struggling, they're struggling, and then you go after them, right? And I do. But it's just like, yep, they're 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 gonna leave. I can see it. Why? Because they've they're they're frustrated, they're irritated, they're upset, they've got sin, whatever, whatever reason, mm-hmm. uh, or they're just not happy, right? And they're just not happy, and rather than talking about it, what do they do? Isolate and pull mm-hmm. away. So you can see this. We all do this. We all do this when we're irritated with one another. We stop talking. We stop because that's what sin does. It just wants to pull away. And so, um, but that reality of feeling alone. And bringing out these emotions of desperation mm-hmm. is so common in Scripture. There was, there was. I was thinking of this when you, uh, when you were talking, when you were speaking. I was thinking of, <laughs> of uh, Elijah. Right? Mm-hmm. He said almost the same thing that that you said. Right? Where, um, what? Where are you at? First uh, Kings nineteen, mm-hmm. and. Uh, when Elijah flees. Yes, yes. Where he he turns away. He turns away from uh, Jezebel and runs after winning, right, that uh, amazing battle with all the prophets of Baal and mm-hmm. the Lord. The Lord, you know, demonstrates his greatness, demonstrates. And then Jezebel says, I'm coming after you. And uh, what does what what does what does Elijah do? Verse three. Then he was afraid, and he yep. arose and ran for his life, yep. and came to Beersheba, which belongs to Judah, and left his servant there. Yeah. So, so what was what was it that uh, that drove his fear? Do you remember what she said? Yeah. Um, in verse two, it says Jezebel sent a message. Look at to look, look at verse ten. Read, read okay. verse ten. 
he said, I have been very jealous for the Lord, the God of hosts, for the people of Israel have forsaken your covenant, thrown down your altars and killed your prophets with the sword. And I, even I only am left <laughs> and they seek my life to take it away. Hmm. He's he, the only one. He's the only one. Yeah. He, he's sitting there going, why am I? I'm the only one. Man, this is ridiculous. I'm done. Mm-hmm. I'm done. This woman's going to kill me. There's no one left. I'm all by myself. I'm all alone. Mm-hmm. And he is just becoming an emotional wreck, right? Because mm-hmm. he's feeling like he's all alone. And so, and, and he's, he's, and what's interesting goes back to what I said at the very beginning. Part of what you see here, too, is the physical side. He's dealing with, he's losing sight of his God. And he's losing sight of reality, and he's talking to himself in things that aren't true, and God's going to confront him. Mm-hmm. But he's also physically tired. Mm-hmm. And I have found this in my own life and struggling with my own emotions at times. When I am physically tired, mm-hmm. man, I, I, I am mo- most susceptible to my emotions. Right. When I am physically, even even may not even be tired, but if I'm not exercising or I'm just not having that energy because mm-hmm. of how I'm eating or because of whatever reason. Sometimes it's my fault. Sometimes it's just life, and it's just not right. But I can see my emotions just being far more susceptible, far more whimsical, mm-hmm. far more uh, unstable, mm-hmm. right? And that's part of what you see here with Elijah. He's hungry. He hasn't eaten. He's been in heavy ministry. And what does God do? And God takes him away up into the mountain, and what does he do? He feeds him. Mm-hmm. He feeds them. Says you need rest. Go mm-hmm. sleep. Mm-hmm. Go sleep, Elijah. <laughs> yeah. Go, and you see the tenderness. You see the yeah. tenderness. Go sleep. You need some more sleep. Go sleep. And then what does God do? God shows him and says, "Listen, you're not alone. Mm-hmm. I've got I got four thousand over there that have not bowed the knee, mm-hmm. that are that are staying faithful. Elijah, buck up. This is what I'm calling you to do. Stop getting in your head." You're, you need to do this, but you're not alone. I'm God. You're not. It's all good. Just do. And, and we just need to be reminded of that. But we need to be, we need to oftentimes need to get rest and just uh, physically guard ourselves. And so there's a myriad of things that, that come together. But Elijah, uh, I often call it the Elijah complex. And oftentimes we're plagued with it. I've got the Elijah complex. I just feel like we're, we're the only one. We're the, you know, whether it's dealing with step stepdad whether it's dealing with um disre- uh, rebellious teenagers well i'm the only one that has to deal with this everybody else's kids are like great <laughs> right. so i get the elijah complex there or or i'm the only wife that has a husband that doesn't want to you know that calls himself a christian but doesn't want to follow christ well woe is me and I, man i mean that's a very con- or i'm the only husband that's got a wife that doesn't want to study god's word and it's like people get all worked up and it's like Listen, you're not the only one, mm-hmm. right? Go back and read First Peter. This same reality is, I'm glad you brought this up. This is so important, even dealing with persecution in churches. So it's like even churches, sometimes we can be like, well, we're the only one that preaches the word. The word. Yeah. This is so common, right? Mm-hmm. And it's like, no, not at all, man. I mean, there aren't many, but God's got his people everywhere, right? Mm-hmm. But we can get in our own head mm-hmm. and get frustrated because we feel like we're the, we're the only one. That's not true. But when we are being persecuted, which is rare in our culture, but it's coming. Mm-hmm. But in First Peter, First Peter is so helpful, and, and, and it's the same thing. When you're being persecuted, one of the first things that happens, you feel like you're the only one. Mm-hmm. And that heightens like almost the injustice in your mind, mm-hmm. which makes it even more sinful to you and uh first peter is so helpful and he says do not be surprised when these fiery trials come upon you 
right? Mm-hmm. As if something strange is happening. Right. As if this is the first time this is this is this is the nature of it in being a believer. And then he tells them something. Remember this that the same kind of sufferings are happening around the the world to all the brothers. Mm-hmm. And it's so helpful because it's fighting against that innate reality that we have that we feel like we're all alone. Yeah. And so you see how many times this comes up in scripture. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this is this is good. I, I was thinking too of the last couple sermons you did, uh speaking about the disciples and how the disciples needed rest. Yep. And with that you were mentioning that Christ sent them away. Jesus sent them away and they were physically tired, they were hungry. Yep. Um and they were susceptible to the uh crowd. The crowd yep. and that crowd mentality and yep. their doubts and uh their wanting of only to see Jesus's uh miracles yep. versus uh you know actually hearing from <laughs> Christ, you know, God incarnate, you know, yep. instead of listening to his words, they wanted to see his, his moving and his actions and, you know, his, his, his healings and you know all those miracles. Oh, it, it goes, it, you're exactly right. You are hundred mm-hmm. percent correct. It comes out too in different ways. So yeah, physical, uh, physical tiredness is often a, a trigger point for emotions and even quote unquote, like we're saying depression or, or however you want to define that emotionally. But you know, it's also a big part of this and we're dealing with it right now in our culture, big time mm-hmm. is when you remove yourself for whatever reason from the consistent, uh, worship of the Lord corporately, mm-hmm. right? When you're, when you're pulled apart and you are pulled apart from mm-hmm. the body of Christ, whether it's because of work, whether it's because of sickness, whether it's because of health, whether it's because of uh, coronavirus. So like now we are, we are not worshiping as we should. We have not worshiped. We're going on three months of this isolation. Mm -hmm. Let me tell you, let me tell you without reservation, based upon the authority of God's word, we are so susceptible to emotions right now, Mm. like nobody's business Mm -hmm. because why? Because as Hebrews 10 says, one of the reasons why we gather together regularly i.e. we should be gathering together weekly for the preaching of the word, the singing of the word, and the encouragement through the word for one another is so that we what? Stir one another up. That mm-hmm. speaks of a, of, a, of an emotion almost, mm-hmm. right? That where we're igniting the flame of faith in one another as we encourage one another, as we provoke one another, and as we protect one another. Well, listen, we've we've eliminated all yeah. of that based upon yeah. the coronavirus. Mm-hmm. So we are we are. This is why I wrote the pastor's heart that I did the other mm-hmm. day. We are on the precipice of division, divisiveness, and and de- and destruction within local churches as we begin to slowly come back from this coronavirus. Why? Why is that an undeniable fact? Because we have been separated for so long and we are so charged with emotions Mm -hmm. that are not Christ-centered, that are world-focused, because that's what we're watching on the news. Mm -hmm. That's what we're living. We're all pulled down. We're all filled with ideas. And then throw in, everybody's got their own opinion. Mm -hmm. Masks are good. Masks aren't good. I'm going to die. You're not going to die. You know, the coronavirus is real. It's not real. I mean, everybody's got an idea. Mm -hmm. You throw all that in and and then... put some imperfect elders in charge of pulling the church back, which will not be according to what everybody wants. It'll be too slow, too fast, too wrong, too safe. <laughs> what do we have? We have a melting pot of emotions mm-hmm. that is ready to explode. Yeah. So you're a very pertinent question. Mm-hmm. So what do we do? 
we go right back to Christ and we follow him and we trust him and we keep our eyes on him and we don't get distracted by civilian affairs. We don't get distracted by temporal concerns. We keep our eyes on Christ and we what? Be patient with one another, forgive one another, bear one another, love one another, outdo one another in showing honor. And if we do those things, we'll be all right. Mm. But if we get focused on the world, we're done. Mm. Done. Yeah, this is this has been a very good uh, podcast for me. One that I will listen to several times because I just needed to be reminded of a lot of those things. And, you know, in the midst of all that's going on, I mean, it's it's very difficult to, um, well, it's very easy, I would say, extremely easy for us to take our minds and our, uh, our, our, our vision off of uh, the, the sovereignty of Christ because we want to somehow be the, the problem solver. We want to be the one to say, well, I have these problems and I need to fix them. And one, the issue is that a lot of the problems that we think we have aren't really problems. Mm-hmm. They're just situations that, that arise and our reaction would be the, uh, it's, 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 it makes or breaks the entire situation, you know, mm-hmm. our reaction to it. So I'm very grateful for, you know, praise the Lord, brother. Let me yeah. encourage you as your brother in Christ, as your friend, as your pastor, um, that you're not alone. Yeah. In all these things. Right. Mm-hmm. You have a, you have a, that's I, I, the church is the, one of the greatest blessings in all the world. And you have a church that, uh, uh, that you're a part of that, that counts you as a dear part of that. Right. Mm-hmm. It goes both ways. But more than that, you have, you have the Lord who walks with you. Right. Who's near the brokenhearted. Yeah. Who comes alongside and comforts. I like it in Isaiah. I think it was at Isaiah 43. I think there's a picture that correlates directly to Psalm 23, which we all know well. But this this is what's being depicted in Psalm 23 is declared in Isaiah so clearly where it talks about the Messiah. It talks about Christ where he literally gathers up the ewe lambs and carries them, it says, in his bosom, which is exactly what shepherds would do when a little lamb was born. Mm -hmm. They would come along as they were tending the flock. Rather than making the lamb have to walk and struggle and stuff, they would often pick them up, put them in their little pouch or Mm -hmm. in their, as their, uh, as their cloaks would often be wrapped around them, Mm -hmm. they would place that and carry that lamb. And that's the picture of what we are with Christ. He comes in and he scoops us up, especially in the midst of our struggles, and he carries us and listen that that is a truth that should comfort Mm -hmm. that is a truth that should uh compel right and compel great emotions in the sense of great motivation Mm -hmm. great perseverance great pursuit as paul said in second corinthians the love of christ compels me Mm -hmm. motivates me drives me but it also should convict Mm -hmm. it should convict in that what that Christ is walking with me, Christ is watching me, Christ mm-hmm. is seeing me. There's nothing I think, nothing I do, nothing I say that 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 is not open and seen by Him, and that. So that's the beauty of the eminence and the nearness and the omnipresence of our Lord is that it works the double-edged sword, which is why uh, Hebrews four says, right, the Word of God is sharper, double double-edged sword, and it cuts down to the bone and marrow, and then he goes right in and he says, and everything is laid bare, mm-hmm. naked and exposed before Him whom we must give an account. Yeah. So yeah, so let that be an encouragement to you as you work through these things, as well as a conviction to keep you on the straight and narrow. Yeah, thank you. I am. Uh, I think that this one is going to be we didn't i didn't release a podcast last week because 
of just scheduling. Just, yeah. You know, it, it happens. And y- y'all understand it. I'm hoping, uh, but <laughs> but this one I'm gonna release a little early because uh, I need to listen to it now. Yeah. I, I I was telling Matt that I usually listen to uh, the podcast. Or I think I told y'all last week on the last podcast. I usually listen to it the first time for editing purposes, just to make sure that everything is is good to go and edit. I'm not really listening to the words, but once I put it out and it's you know it's it's published, then I actually go back and listen to it to see um, and to bring back remembrance what we have in our conversation because you know it's just a little difficult to have to try to do everything at one time oh yeah um you know I'm, like i'm sitting here having a conversation with you it's like all right i got to keep the conversation going so this would be you know, i hear you talking and i'm 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 you know listening you're, do, you're doing what you do yeah i'm listening you're, for you're the purpose leading of, the conversation yeah I'm, I'm, that's the whole purpose of me listening now then i listen to edit and then i'm actually oh then all the light bulbs and you know all of that goes off so i'm very grateful for that um well i've told you from the beginning this podcast whatever it is for everybody else i pray it's a blessing but for me but for me for you it's just nothing but everybody getting to listen in yeah on discipleship yep absolutely. And, in, and in so doing people are seeing and learning uh biblical discipleship right before their eyes yeah this is this is this is one facet of it that should uh, be common in everybody's life. Yeah, and I think that this week the discipleship is, is a recalibration, basically, like you just yeah. said. It's definitely a recalibration. Invigorating uh, conversations around the word. Yeah, that's foundational to biblical discipleship. Are you are you trying to change the the uh, the the motto of the of the no, podcast? No, nope, nope, Invigor- no. Invigorating conversations around the world. No, I mean that'll work, but that's <laughs> I mean that's 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 what the true discipleship is all about. Yeah, definitely. Thank you all for listening today. I appreciate you all tuning in. Um, I also would recommend that you all, if you can, depending on the. Uh, the place that you get this podcast from that you would turn on the notifications uh, because there are a few episodes that I have coming up that aren't scheduled on the same uh, day that usually the podcast comes out, which is on Thursday. So you all would want to listen to them when they come out. I have some things that are more or less uh, trying to come out, just scheduling issues right now, current events that I want to uh, talk to you all about and and give some information about. Uh, So please turn on your notifications for this. Also leave a review for us on whatever podcast platform you are listening to us as well. Thank you all for tuning in today. And here is the gospel of Jesus Christ. This is the gospel of Jesus Christ. The biblical gospel starts with God. Out of nothing, God made everything, including you and me, to bring himself much pleasure. His purpose for us as humanity was to love, obey, and enjoy him perfectly. Instead of this, man has sinned against our loving creator and acted in rebellion. Since God is good and just, he must punish sin that deserves eternal conscious punishment under God's wrath in hell. But God, being merciful, loving, and gracious, had a plan to punish sin, and so be a just judge, and yet forgive sinners, and so display mercy, by sending his own son, Jesus Christ, the co-equal and co-eternal son of God, to take on human flesh, fulfilling his perfect requirements in the place of sinners, loving, obeying, and enjoying him perfectly. Furthermore, Jesus bore the full wrath of God upon the cross, and he satisfied the eternal anger of God. 
standing in a place of sinners, though he was himself perfectly sinless. God showed his acceptance of Christ's sacrifice by raising Jesus from the dead after three days in the grave. Now Jesus commands everyone everywhere to repent, turn from their sin, and believe, trust in him. This is the glorious transaction. God then charges Christ's perfection to the sinner and no longer views him as an enemy, but instead an adopted son and daughters covered in the perfect righteousness of his son. We can now have peace with God and have eternal life with him forever. It's true for every person in every culture, in every place, in every language through all time. So our response to this good news is repentance and faith. Dear hearer, behold, now is the accepted time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. Turn from your sins. Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. And this day be reconciled to God. Thanks for tuning in to this. Please subscribe to the podcast and leave a comment. If you have a question, please send them to the Truth Talks Podcast at gmail.com. Visit our Instagram and Twitter at the Truth Talks Podcast. And visit our website at bellcroftbiblechurch.org. Delighting in the word that we might walk in the truth. A ministry of Bellcroft Bible Church.